chapter 1. As you know, we've been in a, a series called Resurrection Stories. We launched it on Easter Sunday morning, and it's really all about how resurrection life defines our lives. And what we, what, what we decided was when we tell people stories, what we're talking about Resurrection stories, we're, we're moving people from death to life, from darkness to light, from brokenness to healing. When that happens, what we're really talking about is people living in freedom. And resurrection life is a life of freedom. It's a life where you, you live the life that God has for you and the life that Jesus himself lived. And, uh, and, and that's what we're all called to. And so it's been really great to hear different stories and to talk about the stories in the scripture. Last week, we launched into a, uh, a story about the woman at the well, John chapter 4, and we, and, and we I'll kind of review the story quickly. Jesus shows up at a, at a well because he's going through this town, and he's tired. His disciples go in to buy some food, and he sits down by this well, and this woman comes up in the middle of the day. And she's trying to get water. And Jesus, Jesus is so brilliant. He's this, he's this guy. He's got a plan. He's got an idea. He wants to get into the life of this, this woman who's in incredible need. She's really struggling. She's there in the middle of the day. If you want to hear more about it, you can listen to last week's podcast. But Jesus, Jesus says to her, could I have a drink? Jesus asks a question. Now, I want to tell you that I think Jesus often will lead with a question in our lives. And it, sometimes it comes out like this. Hey, are, are you sure you really want to do that? <laughs> There's all kinds of questions that he'll ask you as a way of getting in. And so they have this dialogue and he begins to tell her about living water that he wants her to have. And she's listening to him, but she doesn't really hear him until later in the conversation. And as she begins to, as he begins to sort of read her mail about her life and begin to describe it for her and tell her everything that she ever did, something happens to her. She suddenly realizes that God himself may be speaking to her, the Messiah. And that changes everything for her. Now it's not just a guy asking her for a drink of water. Now it's God himself speaking to her, and she, and, she, and she starts paying attention. And they have this dialogue, and she wants to derail the dialogue into theology. I mean, theology's not bad, but you've got to remember that theology is about the study of the knowledge of God, right? But, but the reason for theology is so that we can know him like actually know him, have a relationship with him, hear his voice. She, she, she really starts to hear what God is saying to her. She runs into the city, into, back into the town, the little village where she's from, all these people who already know her story and how damaged and broken she is. And she says, come here, the man who told me everything I ever did. And they all come out to the well and they all kind of uh, listen, listen to him talk. And then they invite him to spend the day with them. And then the next day, and he stays there for two days. And then, and then this really amazing thing happened. If you, if you look at your message notes that you have in your hand. I want, I want to start at the end, right? I started at the beginning last week. I'm going to start at the end to make sure we get all the way through. <laughs> and so I want you to look at the end, and I want you to see this little, this little phrase right here in John 4, verse 39. Look at your message notes. It's written right there. 
Here's what it says. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So they're like, wow, this, this may be the Messiah himself, and they believed it. But then something else happens. Verse 42, they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. I don't care where you're from. I don't care what kind of family you come from, what you believe. There has to be a moment where you hear God speak to you for yourself. It can't be somebody else just speaking into you. It has to be you hearing for yourself. And so that's what we're going to talk about today, hearing for ourselves and believing that Jesus is who he says he is. I believe that hearing God's voice is one of the primary ways that we walk in freedom. It's one of the primary ways that resurrection life takes hold in our lives. And so last week, if you turn, turn your message notes over, you'll see the, the hierarchy or the five ways that we hear God's voice. And if I just review them very quickly, if you look at the bottom, you see delegated authority. Delegated authority is the lowest level of hearing from God. Because it's essentially somebody else telling you what to do. When we raise our children, right, we tell them what to do for a very long time. Too long, it feels like sometimes. And we're telling them what to do. Hey, don't do that. Hey, don't run down the street. Hey, stay right here. You got to look both ways before you cross the street. If you suddenly catch on fire with those matches you're playing with, you got to stop, drop, and roll. You got to, I mean, we're telling them everything and we're, and, 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 and here's, here's what happens. If Kids do what their parents tell them to do, they get to live. I'm not talking about discipline. I'm talking about actual living. They don't get killed. <laughs> they don't do crazy things and then, and then do stupid things, drink the wrong fluid, and they don't die. Here's, that's, the, that's the thing. And, but it's delegated authority that God put in place to help people. And what happens is, as you submit to delegated authority, you begin to mature. And of course, in our culture... Authority has been misused so many times, and, and that makes people want to resist all delegated authority and want to push back on it. But it is really God's design to help us grow up in Him and to help, help cultivate a listening ear for His voice. Then you got friends. I won't spend the same amount of time on each one of them, but friends, community, people speaking into your life, living a life that's open, that's honest before your, your community, people willing to speak the truth and love into your life and you into theirs, being willing to have that kind of honest gut-level dialogue. I think God speaks into that. And if you're isolated and you're alone and you don't have good friends that have deep, meaningful conversations that, and, and there's no honesty, you really, your, your hearing from God is going to lessen. Your spouse would be the next one. If marriage is about spiritual oneness, spiritual oneness between a man and a woman, if that's what marriage is according to the Bible, then God speaks into that relationship. And I believe that the purpose of marriage is to unlock the potential in the other person. <laughs> it's not for you to get your way or to be fulfilled yourself. It is, it is a character-building uh, arrangement that God put together to express His love and to demonstrate His sacrificial nature of life. And so we lay our lives down for each other and, 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 we, and we unlock the potential in the other person. That's, that's got to include God's voice. 
Number four would be the, or number two would be the Holy Spirit. As you, as you go up from the bottom there of the list, the Holy Spirit is God himself represented on the planet, right? Well, the presence of God, we were just worshiping God. We were, I mean, you could sense his nearness. That's the Holy Spirit. That's him present among us. Jesus said, I'm going to send somebody. He was leaving. He went back up to heaven, and he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. That's what the Bible says in heaven. And the Holy Spirit came to dwell among us, to dwell in us, actually. It's a pretty amazing arrangement for God to dwell in our hearts. And the Holy Spirit is that person, the third person of the Trinity, who whispers into our consciences, who speaks into us, and who says, hey, don't, don't do that. Hey, go this way. Hey, go, go that way. Hey, I have something for you to do over here. Hey, pull back a little bit from there. And the more we resist that voice, the quieter he gets. And so there's a very important, I think that's what we're all called to. We're all called to live in an awareness that his voice is speaking to us in a pretty consistent and constant way. And then, of course, the, the scripture, which is the standard for all hearing. Anything that you hear that you want to uh, express as the voice of God, you, we, must, um, we must compare it to what is going on in this book because this, this is, this is the, the story, the history, the record of God's interaction with humanity. We look into this book, and it is a powerful book because itself, it speaks about itself in this book. It is a book that explains itself. It's a really amazing thing. And, and all these different authors, uh, over 1,500 years, it's an amazing thing that God did to give us the stories and the ideas in this, in this book. So, so we have to compare. If, if you come home one day uh, you know, to, to your wife and you just think she's annoying and you say, I, that's it, I, I, you know, God spoke to me, um, you're out. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> God spoke to me. Okay, you have to, okay, so the problem is you have to measure that. You, marriage is sacred, so you can't, just discard it any old way you want to. The scriptures actually teach that there's only one reason why a marriage is broken, and it has to do with adultery. So there's a certain permission, but it doesn't negate the fact that God heals and restores marriages all the time. So we gotta look, we gotta look to this, but we but 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 what he, God wants from us is he doesn't want us just to do exactly what we're told. He wants us to have a relationship with Him, right? He wants us to in, invite Him and welcome Him in. Um, and, so, and so this relationship, this voice that God wants to speak to us is really important. And so we jump into our, our topic this morning and John 1, 1 through 3, here's what it says. It's in your message notes. It says, in the beginning, the word all, oh, let me, before I get there, Sorry. Now, here's the thing. All five of those ways that we hear God's voice, you know what? The healthiest hearing of God's voice happens when you have all of them functioning. All of them functioning, 
all right? You can't say that the Holy Spirit said this and then, it's, and then it's not biblical, or your friends come to you and say, I don't know if you're hearing quite right. I think you need to pray about that some more. I mean, there's a process, but healthy hearing of God's voice means I've got a community that loves me and is, and is knowledgeable and helpful, and, and I'm vulnerable with them. I've got a group of people that speak into my life. I, I am submitted to delegated authority in my life. And my marriage is strong and healthy. This, this creates an environment where God's voice gets louder and louder. So let's look at this. John verse 1 in chapter 1. This is the beginning of the whole letter of John. And it says here, In the beginning the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never, everybody say never. The light, the darkness can never extinguish it. John is talking about Jesus himself here. The whole chapter is about Jesus. The whole chapter is about what Christ, how Christ came into the world. But sometimes when we read the Bible, what we see is we say, in the beginning, the Word, all, the word was God, and the Word was with God. We, see, we think the Word means the, the, the words. We think the Word means this, these, these pages. The Bible says that the Word of God is Jesus himself. Jesus is the message of God. Jesus, the Savior of the world, the message of God is, I love the people of the world, and I want to express myself to them in love and in miracle working power, and then I'm going to give myself for them, and I'm going to make them right with me. I'm going to create righteousness for them so they don't have to do it themselves. That's the message of God. And so we cling to Jesus Christ himself because he is the message. That word is logos in the original language. It means something spoken, a saying, uh, something that is, that is uh, 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 given and, and expressed. And this is the word of God. God's words come alive. I don't know if you know, know this experience, but you know, you, most of you have a, a, a smartphone. Can you hand me, my, hand me my smartphone there, babe? This... This phone is so amazing. It, it has what's called caller ID, right? Almost all of our phones now have caller ID. Several years ago, that came into existence. When my wife and I were dating in the dark ages, we actually, we actually used phones that weren't, that didn't have any caller ID. And I remember, I remember, like, I would be hearing from Amy, you know, you'd have to, you'd have to, you'd have to pick up the phone to figure out who was on the phone first. So if you're expecting a call, you're like, I wonder if they're going to call, I wonder if they're going to call, I wonder if they're going to call. And then you had to pick up the phone to actually figure out if they called. You couldn't just go, oh, I don't want to talk to them. <laughs> Which is what we do, right? Oh, I'll talk to them later. You could, now you can pick and choose, but then you couldn't pick and choose. You just had to pick up the phone and find out. It's like a big gamble. You could get stuck talking on the phone for a very long time. <laughs> or you just act like it was breaking up. <laughs> My wife still answers the phone like she doesn't know who's calling. 
right? It's just a habit, right? So I'll call her. She sees my number right there. My number is across the screen. And she'll be like, hello? <laughs> hello? So now I kind of make fun of her. And about, we're down to about 50% of the time. 50% of the time, she just says, hey, which I love. Because there's a thing here. There's a thing here. When you, when you pick up the phone in the olden days and heard who was on the other end, you either recognized their voice or you didn't. They either introduced themselves or they assumed you knew who was talking. There is no sweeter sound than me picking up the phone and hearing my wife on the phone. Hi, how you doing? Awesome. I would call her and I would say, hey babe, and she'd say, hi. Her voice, I knew her voice. She knew my voice. It was obvious. It created something in us. It created a connectedness, a recognition. Can I tell you that this is what God is trying to do with you and me? He wants his voice to be the loudest voice, the most recognized voice, the voice that is instantaneous in your life. Jesus said himself in John 10, he said, my sheep know my voice. My sheep know my voice. Cultivating a listening ear is so important, but we've got to understand how God speaks to us. Look at, look at the next um, Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is alive and active. Now that word, word, right? It's logos again, okay? So, so it's the, the speaking, the message of God. When you've learned that verse as a, as a young Christian, for those of you who are older in the faith, you've all, you, you constantly interpret this scripture in the realm of the Bible, for the Bible is living and active. Can I tell you that the Bible itself is actually not living and active? It is God's spirit that causes the words to jump off the page. This is a holy Bible. It is a closed canon, if you will. Some of you are like, now you're like, what? A canon? Where did the canon come from? No, it, it, means, it, it means that there are, are, these are books of the Bible that have been confirmed as really from God himself. And there, there are reasons for that. There are really important reasons for that. That was not just done flippantly. So it's an important book, but there are many, many people who read the book and don't get anything out of it. There are professors in seminary who can explain it better than I can, and they have no vibrant relationship with Jesus himself. The word of God, the message of God, the speech of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, and it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of your heart. The thoughts and the attitude. The God speaking can speak into our lives, Him speaking right into your heart and right into your mind. He can separate what's from you and what's from Him. And that's what we need. So many of us have self-talk that is so poor, so broken from our past, from our history, from people who've said things about us, things we've been programmed in throughout our lives, a brokenness that exists in our head, and we think these terrible things about ourselves, and we self, all our self-talk is negative. 
There's a few of you, your self-talk is always way too positive. You need to dial it back a little bit. But, this, but most of us, we have this negativity that lives in our head, and, and it, that voice is the voice we hear most often. God wants to cut through the clutter. He wants to cut through all the other voices. He's trying to cut through all the distractions and all the other voices coming in and, and help you discern between motives, what's good, what's bad, what's evil, what's right. What he wants to say, he wants, a, he wants us to hear his voice so clearly and for it to repair our history, repair our life. Living in freedom really comes from his voice being the loudest. So what language does God speak? What language does God speak? Hebrew, of course. <laughs> he, he, no, he... He speaks all languages, but here's what, I want, here's what I want you to think about. I want you to consider this idea. The language of God is reality. I want you to write that in your message notes. The language of God is reality. For us, language is symbolic, all right? So it's figurative, it's representative. If I say my car is out in the parking lot, car, you can imagine my car, right? It's, it's symbolic. The word is symbolic of my car, right? It's not an actual car. <laughs> when I speak, a car doesn't come out. Um, it's symbolic. I need more cars. I have about five drivers in my house now, and I need another car. I wish I could just speak it and the car would appear. But Jesus himself actually is the only one who speaks the language of reality. God himself speaks the language of reality, because for God, language is never symbolic. It's not figurative. It's actual. Whatever God says, that's what is. When God spoke the word planets in Genesis 1, planets appeared. When he said, let there be light, light came from himself. Not from the sun, but from himself. His word created it. And so I want you to be hungry for his word. When Jesus was on the boat with the disciples and the storm was raging around them and he was asleep and all the, all the disciples are worried and they're, they're concerned and he got up and he spoke to the wind and the waves. He said, peace, calmness, instantaneously. Because the language of God is Reality, he speaks things into existence. Look, what, look at what Romans 4.17 says, as it is written, I have made you a father to many nations. This is about Abraham himself. And he says, he is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. The God who gives life, now watch this, life to the dead and calls into being things that are not. So he makes things that are not not in existence. He calls them into existence. That's how he gives you and me new resurrection life. He calls life into us. Where there was death, he puts life. He speaks into our lives. God does not describe reality. He speaks it into existence. This is the characteristic that makes God God. This is the characteristic that, that makes him who he is separate from us. I can tell you this. The word of Ross produces nothing. <laughs> you should not just listen to me. You should listen to God himself. 
I mean, you should listen to me and you should listen to God. But listen, people don't, in my house, the word of Ross really doesn't mean that much. <laughs> but the word of God creates everything. The word of God creates everything. His word contains the very thing that makes us into who we are. When God speaks to us, he is offering something that will define us and transform everything about us. He is offering us unlimited possibilities when he speaks into our lives. Sadly, we're consumed with getting more information. We've been indoctrinated. All of our culture, it's all about information coming to us. We want information. We want to know what's going on. So we, so we look up something on Google. We don't need to ask God. We aren't really interested in his voice because we can find out from Google. You can find out anything from Google. God wants to be the voice that speaks into our lives. Hebrews 11.3, look at this. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Okay, check out that verse. That's a cool verse. So that what is seen was not made out of what is visible, but something invisible. What is that? What is that? Could be the voice. Could it be the voice of God? All right, think about this. Seventh grade science. Here we go. Stay with me now. Seventh grade science. Don't let that turn you off. What is this, what is, what is this podium made of? Everything that we, everything's made of something. What is it made? When you get down to it, atoms. Right? Everything's made of some atoms that we've defined as scientists and research. And at, what are atoms made of? Atoms, at, protons, right? Protons, uh, uh, neutrons, electrons. What are those made of? What are the, something called quarks. Something even smaller. And there's a theory that, that protons, neutrons, and electrons are made of something smaller called quarks. And quarks, quarks are defined as little bundles of energy, vibrating energy. Some would call them sound waves, moving, that's creating matter. Bundles of energy, sound waves. Could it be that the substance of the world is made of what is coming out of God's mouth and the world is being held together by the actual voice of God that the scriptures tell us about in Genesis 1? We are so consumed with, we're like, I wish I could just stop this bad behavior. I'm just really, you need to try hard. When what we really need is the creative life force that put us here in the first place to speak into our lives and tell us who we are. We're trying to figure out the information, trying to figure out what to do. I need to do this. I need to figure this out. I need to fix this with my house. I need to fix this with, with my marriage. I'm in trouble. The creative voice of the universe speaks into your life and can change everything. God's words can change everything. But we have to seek him instead of just seeking solutions. We often want to have faith for an outcome when God wants us to have faith in him. Are you guys with me? Because yes. this is good. <laughs> the word of God, the message of God, the voice of God is what, what holds our lives together. 
God speaks to us out of a relationship that changes our reality. So, God speaks on a frequency. You know what the frequency is? It's called Sabbath. We don't know much about Sabbath in, in these times. Our lives are full of everything. Everything that we're doing, all kinds of distractions and things that we're trying to accomplish and going here and going there and, 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 and work is just bearing down on us and we end up never practicing the presence of God by giving up what we can produce and trusting in the one who produces everything. That's what the Sabbath is. Sabbath is deciding that we're going to trust the one who spoke everything into existence. Now, it doesn't mean you can be lazy the other six days. You've got to work hard. But there's got to be a time when you stop and you say, okay, I trust you. I trust you to keep things going. If he can keep the planet spinning... If he can keep everything held together, surely he can hold your life together while you take a day to rest. I'm preaching to myself. So we gotta, we gotta, I think we got to do a few things here. I think we got to be still. I don't think we're good at being still. I think in our culture, in our society, in American culture, we're just going. We're just moving. This is the source of a lot of it. We're just, on, we're just going somewhere in our brains all the time. Sometimes we, you, need to, you need to take a season of rest from this, and you need to just, like, like one of the things that, that you could do is you take, you know, on a Friday night at 6 p.m., put this in a basket and put it somewhere where you can't get to it and then go for 24 hours, pick it up at Saturday night at 6 p.m. I can see the looks in your faces. You're just like, what are you saying? We're going to have to find a way to practice Sabbath if we want to hear the voice of God. If you don't want to hear the voice of God, you just want all the stuff screaming at you all the time, and then you're trying to hear God's voice. Have you ever thought, have you ever thought that God was silent? You ever thought, I have. I thought God was silent. Like, where are you speaking to me? Where? It may be that you're asking the wrong questions. Or it may be that everything else is just so loud, you can't hear him. Be still. Psalm 4610 says, be still and know that I am God. If you read the context of that whole chapter, you can see the earth is surging and, and all kinds of things are happening in the world and wars are happening and, and people are fighting and, and, he, and, and, and the scripture just speaks to it and says, cuts through all that and says, be still and know that I am God. Number two is be quiet. Be quiet. Listen more, talk less. Now, Today, this is Memorial Day weekend. I'm very grateful that people gave their lives for the idea that we could have freedom of speech. I'm so grateful for that. But somehow in our culture, in our modern social media, reality, television culture, it's transformed into my right to tell everybody my opinion. That is not the right that that may be that may be the thing that we sort of celebrate in american culture but let me tell you this in the kingdom of god it's a little bit different the way it works your opinion doesn't matter quite as much there are no votes in the kingdom of god 
There is only full-on surrender or nothing else. And so, so be quiet. You know what some of you need to do? You need to quiet that self-talk in, in, your, in your mind. And you need to fill your mind up with the scripture and with other people speaking into your life in a greater measure. And, and you, you, need, you need to differentiate between what you're always thinking and your opinion and how important it is. And you need to replace it with God's opinion because his opinion is the most important. So be still, be quiet. James 1, 19 says, be slow, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Number three, believe God's word. Believe God's word, which essentially means agree with him. Oh, but I don't see my marriage getting better. I don't care. Agree with what God has said about marriage and what he said about you. I don't see, I don't see my financial situation changing. I know God wants to bless me, but it's not happening. I don't think he's really interested. I don't think he cares. That's not what God has said to you. That's not what this book says. His voice has got to be the most important. You've got to believe it and you've got to agree with it. You've got to say, yes, Lord. You have to say, amen. You have to remind yourself of what he's saying so that when the discouraging circumstances that are all around us start pressing in, that there's something else there faith, the voice that holds the planets together, pushing its way out, keeping you free from the worry and anxiety that claims so many of our souls. That's what I want. That's how I want to live. How about you? Close your eyes. Bow your head. I want you to let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Here in this moment, we're going to come to the Lord's table, and we're going to come to the Lord's table and I want you to see it as a, an opportunity to come to the provision and the nourishment that only Jesus provides. I want you to see it as an opportunity to come and listen to him. Listen to him speak at the table. The table is a place of communion. A place where we can share together. Jesus Christ himself, when he was sitting with his disciples... At the Last Supper, he, he actually said, this bread is my body that is broken for you. And he said, I want you, when you, whenever you eat this bread, I want you to remember me. Draw all your attention back to me. Focus your attention on me. Remember what I've done. Remember what I've said. And then he took that cup and he said, this is the new covenant, the cup of the new covenant in my blood. There's a new covenant here that's so much better than the old one. This covenant actually offers forgiveness from sin. And so any failure, any foolish activities, any rejection of God that has, that has been acted out in your life or thought out in your, in your mind, Jesus comes in this moment and forgives it, cleanses it, and heals it. He speaks into your life once again and says, be whole, be healed, be forgiven. But you got you to surrender to it. You got to surrender everything to him. So would you 
consider surrendering everything to him as we come to the table. Father, as we come into this moment of of coming to your table and coming to communion with you, Lord, would you speak to us? Would you be clear? Speak to the most meaningful, most important struggles that we have way down deep on the inside of us, things other people may not even know, and speak life and light into our souls. Divide between soul and spirit right now. Help us to change our motives and our attitudes right here, right in this place as you speak into our lives and help us to reorient our lives around you and what you've done for us, who you say we are. And rather than seek you for information, we now seek you to know you. Thank you for this. Thank you, Jesus. We receive from you now in your name. Amen.